You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Good day, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive? Yeah. Yourself? I'm not doing too bad. You know, I, I was I was going over the uh, stuff we were talking about yesterday, and, and I was just going back, and I, was, I wasn't listening to it or anything, but uh, I was looking over some of the stuff we had posted for yesterday and that we were talking about. And, you know, we're talking about this this lab leak theory, right? And I had this thought today. The, the media is going with this. They're, they're running with it. First and foremost, like I said last week when we started on this, I said, it's not a leak. It's not a leak. Gain of function. That's not a leak. Second, they're ignoring the funding. That's, that's a critical part in all of this. They're ignoring that. They're focusing on, well, yes, okay, well, yeah, we, we have to look at, at possible origins of this. But, but me personally, when I look at that and I see that agenda that's being played out, I think it's damage control. I, I think that that's all they're going for here is they're positioning Dasik or Dasik, whatever his name is. They're positioning him or, or Fauci even to be a fall guy because the email dumps. They're positioning them to be fall guys, but yet they're going to ignore all the rest of it. They'll offer up the three and a half million or whatever it is uh, and say that that's all it is. But they're not implicating all of the other things. They're, they're not implicating the, the Department of Defense. They're not implicating the CDC. They're not implicating the World Health Organization. They're not implicating the National Institute of Health. They're not implicating Health and Human Services at all. None of that's being discussed. That's not even a talking point. It's just, well, we're looking into this this uh, lab leak origin, and and that's all it is. Well, if you want to look at it from the government's perspective, uh, from from their side of things, uh, the State Department, uh, there's some staffers that have uh, report- reportedly been warned by officials not to investigate the theory of COVID-19 being uh, engineered and coming from Wuhan. Uh, Institute of Virology. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually a, a memo that uh, FOIA request from uh, Vanity Fair. Vanity um, Fair. It, yeah, of all publications. Yeah. Um, they were investigating the origins of COVID-19 and uh, they, they had the uh, former acting assistant secretary of the State Department, State Department's Bureau of Arms Control, Verification and Compliance, uh, Thomas DeNano. Uh, said he voiced his concerns over the warnings uh, in regards to uh, keeping... Basically, they they told staffers to keep their mouth shut and don't look into it because you're going to open a can of worms. That, that, that's a quote. Uh, well, I think that can of worms is at least the, the head of that can of worms is what we started to talk about yesterday with the IRS reports, the ledgers, and, and all the rest of it. When you've got hundreds of millions of dollars that are being funneled from the Pentagon into those uh, organizations like EcoHealth Alliance, that's a front. That, that's all that is. That, that's a front. It's like a shell corporation. They're funneling the money through that, and then they're doing other things with it. That's all it is. One of the state officials, okay, State Department officials said that in one meeting, they were explicitly told by colleagues not to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology gain-of-function research because 
it would bring unwelcome attention to U.S. government funding of it. Now we're getting somewhere. I want you to hear this. This is the current Secretary of State, I believe it is, Blinken or whatever his name is. To this day, I've not heard of this guy. Uh, well, I mean, before the Biden administration, I've not heard of this guy. This is him being interviewed by Axios on HBO. Listen to this and listen very carefully to how he puts this. Mr. Secretary, what are the implications if Beijing is found to have been covering up a Wuhan lab leak? We have to get to the bottom of what happened. There's a counter. First and foremost, notice he doesn't answer the question. He goes straight on to, we have to get to the bottom of what happened. Well, you already know what happened. Do you want me to tell you? We went over it yesterday. Ability, but from my perspective, the most important thing and the most important reason we have to get to the bottom of this is that's the only way we're going to be able to prevent the next pandemic or at least do a better job in, um, in mitigating it. What the government didn't do in the, in the early days and still hasn't done is given us the transparency. We need the international community, access for uh, inspectors and experts, uh, the sharing of information in real time. That has to happen. So to get those answers to do a proper investigation, you're going to need, the U.S. is going to need access to the labs. Will you demand that? Uh, will you put teeth on it? Will you even go as far as sanctions on China if they keep inspectors out? I think the international community is clear that um, we have to have, the international community has to have access. It has to have information. Uh, it has to have uh, meaningful uh, so interaction. What's the Okay, hold it, hold it right there. Just just to be clear, notice he's not saying the U.S. has to demand this. He's saying the international community, the international community. See, to them, America's finished. He he's a globalist. He's not a he, he's not a uh, a person that believes in in American uh, independence. To them, it's about the United Nations and the World Health Organization. They're the leading responsible role in this, in his eyes. And in the administration's eyes, not American inspectors demanding accountability. Your, your, your statement there that uh, they're directly responsible is that, that is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Real pressure the U.S. will put on China for access to the lab. If uh, China denies the information, denies the access, uh, denies the transparency that's needed. And you kind of it expect is, that. It, well, let's that's see. Been the because, uh, Mike, at the end of the day, it's profoundly in China's interest uh, to do this as well, because, look, it suffered, too, uh, in the uh, in the outbreak of this pandemic. It, it suffered. Uh, it presumably has an interest as well, especially if it uh, purports to be a responsible international actor to do everything it can to provide all the information it has to make sure we can uh, hopefully prevent this from happening again. OK, I can go down the list of economies, the United States, France, Germany, the UK, Canada, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, all the rest. of I can, I can go through all of the major Western economies and I can tell you how much of a hit we've taken over the last 12 to 14 months because of this. Which country in the last 12 to 14 months, in the same time period that we've been closed and are still closed in a lot of respects, which economy on the world stage has actually grown by numbers of 7% if you go by that? It's China. So explain to me, Secretary of State Blinken, explain to me how they've suffered too. Explain that to me, please. He was avoiding the questions, as you said. If this were Trump or any Republican, you know damn well they would be grilled. Oh, yeah. uh, they'd be like, wait, you avoided my question. Well, no, no, answer the question. Uh, like they would go back to the first bit and they wouldn't deflect. He, he allowed him to deflect and then went straight to China. It keep 
creating and the, the boogeyman. And the international community, yeah. not the US. Right. Yeah. They keep creating this boogeyman that, well, China's at fault here. No, you're, our, our own government is at fault here. Correct. China's, at this point, they were just a useful idiot, which, I mean... Well, we talked about it last week. If you give a, if you give a monkey a gun and the monkey shoots somebody, you don't blame the monkey, do you? I mean, in this sense, well, you look they, at it. They are in this sense. They, they are in this sense, yeah. But but the thing is, is though China has ill intent, they didn't have the ability because their their systems are not progressed to that point. They didn't have the ability to weaponize anything like this. We gave it to them. That's the crime here. We gave it to them. We allowed that to happen. Hell, we facilitated that. So the idea that uh, that, that this is uh, some kind of a, uh, well, we have to get to the bottom of what happened. Shut up. Shut up. What use is that? That useless individual. What What is that? What kind of answer is that? If I were the president of the United States, I would have him out, out today, today. You'd be fired. And I, I don't give a damn who who you've got uh, up there in, in Congress. Oh, we well, got to run that through. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That kind of person, that's a liability. So that's why a lot am of I people st- I would have fired? Oh, yeah, I would. I would. That's well, like I've said before, I, I agreed with Trump on a lot of things, but I also didn't agree with him on a lot of things. And a lot of the things that he did as far as like picking people to be around him. My God, President Trump campaigned on draining the swamp and he's surrounding himself with the swamp. Like I, I'm just an average nobody. I'm just a, a, you know, just a John Q taxpayer, if you will. And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at all these people that he's surrounding himself with. And I'm like, these people aren't the, the solution to this, sir. These people are part of the problem. The same thing as now. You know, Trump's back on the scene, getting back into the, you know, the the the, the real politique, if you will, getting into uh, this stuff. He, I saw a clip of him this morning saying the Republican Party stronger than ever. According to who, sir? According to who? In my humble opinion, sir, they're not part of the solution. They're part of the problem. The people that that you're picking to endorse and, and champion and, and do this and all that. Yeah, granted, there's a couple of people that are, that are good in there. A couple. But a majority of these people are part of this problem. They're part of the swamp. I, I want these people fired. I want these people gone. I want these people tried. Y- you don't promote them and put them in in, in what? I, I'm trying to understand this. And, and since we're on the subject of this, I want to. I, I don't want to lose track of this uh, this uh, thing here because there are a couple of scientists have come out and they've written a column in the Wall Street Journal, and I want to go over it. But since we're on the subject of Trump, and I, I've rambled up to this point about him. What is, and you and I were talking about this privately last night for just a few minutes, what is his play with Mike Lindell? I'm still trying to figure this one out. I'm legitimately trying to figure this out because you've got Trump running around saying yesterday uh, in, in some clips that he put out yesterday from his resort in Mar-a-Lago. And I don't know if he's being a Betty Crocker spoon and stirring the pot or, or what he's doing, but he's saying, we're going to take back the White House. We're going to take back the Senate. We're going to take back the House. And it's going to happen sooner than you think, implying that it's going to happen before 2022. Mike Lindell's running around saying he'll be back in the office before uh, or by August or whatever. They're going to take the the fraud case of Dominion and Smartmatic and the mail-in votes and all the, the mail-in ballots and all the rest of it, absentee stuff. They're going to take all that to the Supreme Court. They're going to rule 9-0. Have you seen some of these judges up there, Mike? Have, have you seen which way they lean on a lot of things that are clear cut, uh, regardless of what your politics are? They're, they're clear cut whether or not it's constitutional and they rule against it. How in the hell? Are, I don't think in my lifetime they've ever ruled 9-0 on anything. 
ever. So I'm trying to figure out what do you think their play is here? Or you think they're just you think it's what I said last night when we were talking about it. Do you think that they're just trying to stir the pot and keep the establishment off balance so they can keep everything in a state of flux and cause them to panic and to make more mistakes than what they're making now? What what do, what do you think? It could be that they're stirring the pot, keeping keeping the news media eyes on this, you know, and keep them reporting on it or at least keeping people's curiosity up because this is if legitimately if we didn't have people that were high profile looking into this and constantly bringing attention to this i think the media would try to sweep it under the rug they would try to make this disappear so there's an element of i think they're they're trying to keep it um, an active story but there's nonsense about them coming in and they're going to usurp control and uh never happened in American history. I don't think this would be the most you're going to do is cause some kind of debate or something in Congress and the Supreme Court. And it's not really going to get anywhere, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you might see an impeachment and removal if you're lucky. Uh, but then Pelosi would be the one appointing. Uh, there's a line of succession. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. I mean, now, th- as you said, there's a line of secession. You have to follow that. Now, if we're following the Constitution, then that's the way it has to go. You, you'd have to impeach. You'd have to remove and all that. But I mean, th- it would fall back on the speaker, which I mean, hell, uh, she she's as nuts as you can get. But yeah. it, it would fall back on on her, which she's kind of disappeared lately. I haven't heard much out of her, oddly enough. But nonetheless, maybe she's having dinner with Hunter Biden somewhere. I'm not sure. They, they both seem to dis- disappear lately. So but maybe they're doing cocaine together. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's giving her pointers on how to keep the uh, the polydent, you know, a little bit more, um, yeah, you know, keep be. it up there. But the right thing here, let's say just for the sake of argument, j- just for the sake of argument, let's say that all of this stuff is found to be fraudulent. OK, Let, let's just say for the sake of argument that okay. we find all this stuff and, and and there's fraud and and Joe Biden lost that election. OK, Let, let's just say that that happened. The right thing to do if if you're Joe Biden, if you're a person of conscious moral behavior instead of some uh, greasy lawyer like Joe Biden, if you're a person of integrity and you see this and this is actually proved in a court of law, then the right thing to do would be to vacate where you are. That's the right thing to do. But again, you have to be a person of integrity in order to do that. You say, okay, well, uh, that's that's what happened. I'm I'm not supposed to be here, so. I will pack up my stuff and I will leave. No, that's see, what. But he's government. He's been in government for 40 years. So the proper 50. thing for him to do, uh, 50, the, the proper thing for him to do as government is to double down and say uh, that was that was wrong. This investigation was wrong, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, clearly that that's the proper thing to do, because that's what every government official has done. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. So, and I've heard people, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for this. I'm not saying this, but I've heard people say this. They say, okay, well, if he's not going to leave, then he's going to have to be physically removed. I, I've heard people in the in the media say that. Even that, I, I'm not sure how you'd go about doing that, uh, if that's even possible. I guess we're we're headed for some type of a a thing here, one way or the other. There's some type of a political clash that's going to happen here uh, in all of this. Whether you agree with it or not, there's there's bound to be some type of conflict here. It's going to be rigid all the way through. So where do we go? Where, where do we go? What do we do? How does how does this play out? I honestly don't know how this is going to play out. It's one of those we just have to wait and see how it's going to go, because saying they're going to physically remove him. Uh, granted, that's what they were saying. 
the left were saying uh, when Trump was saying he wasn't going to, you know, they were saying he wasn't going to vacate. So they were advocating that they should come in and physically remove him. By the same token, I mean, I, I guess you would say the same thing, but that that's uh, we, we have peaceful transitions of power. Uh, this this is not you don't come in and do this by force. That 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 is a reminiscence of a coup. And we, we don't do that. Well, the thing is, though, it's and I, I agree with you. I'm not not disagreeing. But the thing is, is that the coup actually happened on November 3rd in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't, honestly, the, the reaction to this, the response to this in general has been it has been piss poor. Uh, it should have been like immediately we should have been uh, doing the audits. We should have looked into it. Uh, it should never have happened that they were able to do the mail in ballots, COVID or not. We've never done mail-in ballots for a pandemic before, and we've had like six since the Spanish flu. So I, I don't understand what's so special about this one other than they were finding a way to cheat the system, and they tested it. You like my new office, by the way? I, I do, yeah. Yeah. Damning science shows that uh, COVID-19 likely engineered in a lab, according to two experts. Welcome to the party, fellas. Where in the hell you been? That's all I have to say on it. Damning science strongly suggests that COVID-19 is a man-made monster optimized in a lab for maximum infectivity before hitting the outside to catastrophic effect, two experts have said on Sunday. Really? Like I said, this came out last night after you and I went offline and it, it popped up right as we uh, right as we logged out. And I thought, all right, we're going to have to lead with that tomorrow, though we led with uh, some Trump talk there, which I, I, honestly, I don't know where that's going to go. But he's out making statements now. And I, I saw I saw it today of some of the stuff that he's saying. And I I just I don't know where he's coming up with this stuff. I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, I, I really don't know. But anyway, I, I digress. So back onto this writing in an opinion piece for The Wall Street Journal. Take that for what you will. Take that for what you will. Uh, I've got a list here of and I want to go over this right after this. I, don't let me forget. Uh, I have a list here of media outlets in the U.S. that are found to have ties to CCP funding uh, put out by the National Pulse with Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters. I, I want to look at that. So don't let me forget. Dr. Stephen Quay and Richard Muller pointed out two key pieces of evidence to support the claim that the virus came from a lab and it was man-made, which has increasingly gained steam after long being derided as little more than speculation, according to who? The mainstream media? The first relates to the nature of gain-of-function research, in which microbiologists tweak a virus genome to alter its properties, such as making it more transmissible or more lethal, which is what Rand Paul was talking about with Dr. Fauci. He says, you're toying around with Mother Nature here. You're doing gain-of-function research. You're giving these viruses a 15% and higher, in some cases, mortality rate, and it's extremely dangerous. Hell, even the Obama administration, when they paused this gain-of-function research back in the end of 2014, said, you've got to stop doing this. It is entirely too dangerous. At that time, they were doing it in the United States. What did they do after that? They moved it to China. Fauci restarted that program Francis, in conjunction with Francis Collins, and I would argue probably Mr. Gates in there too. I mean, he sits Absolutely. on, Fauci sits on his board. So, I mean, it stands to reason that there's a connection, does it not? It does. Especially when uh, both Gates and Fauci have investments in vaccines. Gates kind of pretty seems much seems a bit. Uh, yeah. And, and on top of that, Gates bankrolled the company of Novavax when it was in dire straits. 
never created a single working vaccine, along with Moderna, by the way, which he also has heavy investments in, never created a working vaccine. And now all of a sudden, these two companies have created the uh, the best vaccine we've ever had. Now, Novavax, interesting, interesting thing about there. We did a little digging into that company, which was, like I said, was saved by by Bill Gates uh, just at the last minute, of course. Right before it collapsed, that's usually when you can get bargain basement prices on companies that are about to liquidate. So that's what he did. He waited right until the time they were to declare bankruptcy. That day, he swooped in and bought it up for pennies on the dollar and infused it with some cash, along with another group of individuals known as the World Economic Forum. They bankrolled that company, too. Yeah, we looked into that months ago when we tripped over the article about uh, the UK buying 60 million doses from Novavax. And we thought, what the hell's Novavax? Never heard of it. Then we figured out where they get all their money and how they actually made it through uh, to or how they've actually made it through to this point because they've never created a working product. And their specialty, I might add, was respiratory viruses. Huh. And they've never created a working vaccine. Now, all of a sudden, they've got the best one that's ever been made. Funny well, how that works. Have, have I pointed out the uh, uh, Anthony Fauci was saying, uh, excuse me, the sainted Anthony Fauci uh, was saying that uh, the best vaccine that they've had recently is uh, the Zika uh, virus vaccine. And, uh, I, I did, uh -huh. I did a little looking into that and, uh, the, the Zika vaccine didn't even make it to a phase three trials before the, the virus itself burned out. And so they don't really know how effective it, it was. And how long did it take them to make a Zika virus vaccine? Uh, well, typically it takes, uh, four years. Uh, this one, they, they actually did it a little bit faster and it was still too slow. The, the, the mm -hmm. I believe it was three years and uh -huh. it was still too slow and the virus burned out. Uh-huh. So uh, do, do we understand the testing now? No, actually, because um, the virus burned out. So they weren't able to test it against the virus. So they don't know no, how I'm, effective it is. I mean, COVID testing. Oh, you got to keep um, it alive, right? Well, that's that's just it. You have to keep it alive to, to really know. But the it, it has to be to get actual numbers, which, you know, they don't really care about actual numbers. You have to have a real virus going. And I'm not saying COVID isn't real. I'm saying the hysteria. When when you have a policy change in California, Northern California, that shifts the way they count death numbers from COVID-19, and you that. go, you drop by 25%, that says to me that you're, the, the, the hysteria you're ginning around the virus, the, the numbers that you have around it are not accurate. So the, the data they would get would be skewed and not accurate. Uh, for, for the vaccine. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I saw that today. <laughs> I had it in the pile, but I doubt very seriously we're going to get to it. Back to the, uh, the, the two scientists here in their op-ed piece out of the Wall Street Journal. Of the 36 possible genome pairings that can produce two, uh, is it uh, arginine? Is that how you say it? Uh, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, arginine amino acids in a row, which results in boosting a virus lethality, the most commonly used gain-of-function research is CGG-CGG, or double CGG. I think GP's actually talked about that before. So the insertion, and I'm quoting here, they say, the insertion sequence of choice is the double CGG, wrote Quay, who's the founder of Atosa Therapeutics, and Muller, who is a former top scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, who now teaches physics at the University of California at Berkeley. He says, that's because it is readily available and convenient, and scientists have a great deal of experience inserting it. 
An additional advantage of the double CGG sequence compared with the other 35 possible choices, it creates a useful beacon that permits the scientist to track the insertion in the laboratory. So the pair also noted that the double CGG sequence has never been found naturally among the entire group of coronaviruses that includes SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19. SARS-CoV-2 is the actual virus which causes COVID-19, which is a disease. But... In what Quay and Muller called a damning fact, it was found in SARS-CoV-2. So they found this insertion cannot be found in coronaviruses naturally in nature. Proponents of the zoonotic origin must explain why the novel coronavirus, when it mutated or recombined, happened to pick its least favorite combination, the double CGG. Why did it replicate the choice the lab's gain-of-function researchers would have made? Funny how that happens. When it replicated... It picked the actual sequence that they use in laboratories. Huh. It's funny. Yeah. And and he's uh, th there's also a key thing that he said there. When you when you look at evolutionary processes, um, the path of least resistance is what what evolution tends to go towards. You know, um, by the, the way it was worded there, the least preferred CGG. Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, that was least preferred. That means evolutionary speaking. It's not going to choose that. It, it, it if it's if it's something else is more uh, easily readable, uh, available, or 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 easier to obtain, more mm -hmm. beneficial to the whatever it is, it's going to evolve into that. Right. Not the the more difficult, less uh, you know beneficial. Not the not the it, one where you actually cut into the side of it and weld something in there. You know, right, to put that. Yeah. In, yeah. You know more physical form that would explain the envelopes that we were looking at in the very first days yeah that, that those types of things because you're looking at it and you're like look at these envelopes on here this can't be this can't be right that would explain that at the minimum this fact that the coronavirus with all of its random possibilities right because and i've heard different medical doctors and scientists and, and all the rest of it talk about garden varieties they, they like to use those words garden variety coronaviruses so you have usually about four to six there, there's I, I think there's what, like 17 in total, I think, is what we in, in the tree. Um, well, um, 17, maybe like major differences. Uh, but then there's right. subclasses of each one of those. Yeah, exactly. So, OK, so, yeah, but everything stems from which I think that's that's kind of what you're meaning. Everything stems from like the garden variety of like four, the, four to six. Yeah. Those are like the most common ones you run into. Uh, and just to, just to recap, he says at the minimum, this fact that the coronavirus with all of its random possibilities took the rare and unnatural combination used by human researchers. This implies that the leading theory for the origin of the coronavirus must be a laboratory escape. Hmm. Occam's razor? Uh-huh. That comes to mind. Yeah. So we were talking yesterday about the Fauci emails. We talked last Friday about the Fauci emails. In those emails, as far back as January of 2021, or excuse me, as far back as January 2020, Fauci was t talking in the emails about how it might have been engineered. Of course, he wasn't saying that publicly. He was saying it in the emails. And of course, then you had Peter Daszak come out from EcoHealth Alliance come out and say, hey, Tony, uh, thanks for uh, running that uh, uh, that public, making that public that, uh, it, you know, this is not a, a lab thing. We, we really appreciate that. In the Senate hearing last month where Fauci actually perjured himself in front of Senator Rand Paul, hell, even Ted Cruz is saying that now. He's on Fox News yesterday with Maria Bartiromo talking about how he, at the very least, at the very minimum, it was perjury. You sit there and you lie to a Senate panel 
that carries some prison time and a hefty fine. Of course, he can afford it with all his investments and highest paid government employee. Hell, he's making more than any of the senators asking him questions. Last month, Fauci admitted he couldn't be certain that the when he was talking about, uh, excuse me, with Senator Kennedy, he couldn't be certain that the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, in China didn't put pre-pandemic a $600,000 grant uh, into the uh, the National Institute of Health towards gain of function research. Now he, he said that they're not doing that. We're, we're we're not funding gain of function research. We're not doing anything like that. Well, yes, you are. We've got receipts, sir. We can see that you are. Now, to your point, Bruce, to what you said about that, he said he's not lying because they're not funding gain of function research in China. The Eco Health Alliance is, and they're giving money to Eco Health Alliance to fund that gain of function research in China. Now, it also stands to reason, okay, this is the other thing that's not being talked about in the media. Where did the samples come from? Where did the gain of function technology actually come from? Where did that part come from? Did EcoHealth Alliance give it to the Chinese? What about the Chinese scientists, the CCP scientists, the, the PLA scientists that were in the P4 lab in Winnipeg that smuggled out the samples with no paperwork? The samples were already gone. No, we, we don't we don't have any paperwork for that. OK, we're going to have to escort you out. And we're going to have to deport you. But the samples are already gone. The damage is already done. We told you about that over a year ago. The Canadian Broadcasting Company, they just learned about all of it. They knew. Now, yeah, they knew. Of course they knew. They knew just as much as the DOD knew. Yeah. The stated purpose of the grant was to determine whether coronaviruses could be transmitted from bats to humans. Um, what was it the Chinese Communist Party said in the very early stages, along with the World Health Organization? No evidence of human to human transmission. No evidence of that. Okay. So beyond this, uh, you know, all of these different signs of like this gain of function toying with this stuff. Uh, these two guys, these two scientists that wrote in the Wall Street Journal said that the evidence is most compelling and is the dramatic difference in the genetic diversity of SARS-CoV-2 compared with the coronaviruses responsible for SARS and MERS. By contrast, COVID-19 proved to be highly contagious from the point that it was first detected. Again, they made it extremely communicable, you know, very, uh, very transmissible, but they lowered the lethality of it. Now, what was what was the the hidden part about it is you actually don't need to do anything against it. If you're healthy enough, if you have uh, vitamins and minerals, you know, the, the right amounts in your system, if you're a healthy person, you really don't have much to worry about. You can pretty much fight it off. But if you're an older person, you have underlying conditions, you're not very healthy, then it's probably going to take you for a ride, just like the flu would. If you catch the flu, and if I mean, that that's usually the most common form of death for older people anyway, is the flu or some type of pneumonia, they'll catch it. And it's just it's just a matter of once you hit a certain age, something, you're going to come across something. Hell, even Dr. Mike Yaden said this, you're going to come across something that's going to carry you on into the next life. And the older you get, the less you're able to fight off these infectious diseases. Hell, we used to lose, <laughs> we don't anymore, we used to lose what was it, Twenty to 40,000 a year just from the flu? We had, what, 100 cases of flu last year? Two, 300 cases of the flu? Yeah, yeah. We pretty much solved it. And those weren't deaths. Those were just cases of the flu. Yeah, we don't actually know how many deaths from the flu happened last year, if there were any. I mean, we, we, we solved a lot of the problems we had with diseases last year. Well, that's Cancer, we, we pretty much eliminated it. Yeah, everybody was wearing masks, Bruce. That's, that's how we were able to, to stop all that. Yeah. Fauci himself said it. Yeah, the thing to Dr. Anthony Fauci, he, he said it himself. Quay and Muller went on to say, such early optimization is unprecedented and it suggests a long period of adoption that predated its public spread. In other words, I think you actually even did the calculation on that. It would take how many millions of years to actually evolve to that point of where it is? 
uh well i i don't remember the exact number but um let's just say it would take a while a while, yeah. Longer yeah. than our lifetime, yeah. yeah. Uh, they went on to say that science knows of only one way that could be achieved. Simulated natural evolution. Growing the virus on human cells until the optimum is achieved. That is precisely what is done in gain-of-function research. They force it. They force the evolutionary process to become something that is highly deadly, highly lethal, highly transmissible. That's the point of it. Also, just as a, a, a point, because this is kind of a, a soapbox of mine, technically, uh, at this point, that's not evolution anymore. When you start engineering stuff like that, it's no longer evolution or simulating evolution. Now it's just you engineering. There, there is no evolution at that point. It's funny because every time I go at GP with that argument about GMO, you never come to my rescue. You always sit there and let me take it. I, I, I have to. I'm on the fence when it comes to GMO, unfortunately. Just because uh, it's about food and it's about, you know, stopping people from going hungry. I get it. I get it. I, I see it. I, I really do. But, you know, I, coyote cabbage, man. I'm sorry. You know, I don't, I don't want a cabbage to eat me when I try to go to pick it. You know, that's where it goes. I mean, seriously, look at look yeah. at this stuff that they're doing with like grafting the human lungs in mice and 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 grafting aborted fetal tissue onto onto lab rats and, and doing this gain of function style research. Don't tell me. Don't tell me for one minute. These these sick individuals that call themselves life scientists. They're the they're anti life scientists. These people that do this kind of research. Don't tell me. Don't tell me for one minute that they wouldn't do something stupid like what I'm talking about. What my fears are when it comes to GMO. Oh, you mean like engineering a plant to grow actual human tissue or, yes. or lungs or yes. liver or any of the or or. Uh -huh. Uh, growing actual like uh, meat that is chemically the same as, let's say, a, a slab of beef, for example. I mean, they're they're. I'm sure there's no problems there. I'm sure nothing could go wrong, or it it, it you know you you might have someone just some individual that decides they their um, humans are overpopulating the earth, and they just happen to make a um, a plant that's able to survive in almost all climates and also consumes meat flesh i couldn't see something like that happening what does that individual say you'll get used to it yeah. <laughs> bill gates you'll get used to it don't worry about it you'll, you'll get used to it so two pieces of evidence that led quay and Mueller to conclude that the possibility that covid19 was engineered should be viewed as the leading theory the presence of the double cc cgg sequence I almost said CCP sequence, but that's kind of what it is, isn't it? <laughs> that's basically what it is, yeah. The presence of the double CGG sequence is strong evidence of gene splicing, and the absence of diversity in the public outbreak suggests gain-of-function acceleration. The scientific evidence points to the conclusion that the virus was developed in a laboratory. No. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Scientists would never do that. They would never harm human beings. Now, here's the question. And this is a question that was asked out of uh, out of 1945. And I'm talking about the publication, not the year. Uh, I read a lot of their stuff. I, I, I cruise a lot of their, uh, uh, their their headlines and things because they do a lot of reviews. And we've done a couple of reviews uh, that they've covered here as well on um, on firearms. Anytime there's a new firearm that hits the market for self-defense or target shooting or whatever, they always put up great reviews about it. Uh, and so it, it's really they come up with some strange firearms uh, to, to do reviews on. So I, I think it's uh, quite interesting. But I ran across this one today and and I want to sit down. I want to uh, and I want to talk about this one today. Coronavirus origins was the the headline uh, was, was the topic of the headline. And it says and I haven't actually looked down at this yet. 
I'm just looking at the headline, right? Because everybody reads in headlines these days. Coronavirus origins. What happens when we have the answer? That's a good question. That is a good question. What happens when we have the answer? Now, as I said in the beginning, when we, we started uh, today's discussion, when I, when I said in the beginning, they're pursuing the avenues of damage control. They're not pursuing the avenues of fact and reality. They're not talking about gain of function research. You know, the secretary of whatever, the useless individual, whatever his name is, he didn't say one thing about gain of function research. He didn't say one thing about any American institutions being involved in this. He didn't say one thing about Dr. Fauci and, and anything involving his emails and, and the connections to the Chinese Communist Party and the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He didn't say a word one about any of that stuff. So you're talking about wanting to find out you want to get to the bottom of it and and talk about origins and all the rest of it. That's a lot of nice talk. But you're not actually talking about anything. So what happens when we have the answer? Now, we've talked about what the actual response, the legal response is from a biological attack from one nation onto another. That's a full thermonuclear response. That's what it is. And of course, you got China yeah. out there running around saying, well, we need to prepare for a nuclear war with the U.S. It's almost like admitting guilt at this point that you intentionally engineered a bioweapon and released it. So there's an argument with what you were saying when it comes to biological weapons. Um, one of the methods or one of the requirements is to um, aerosolize it and also have a vaccine for your population. And to Those be clear, are the two things that we're missing. Yeah, to be clear, that's that's and I'm only saying that based on the biological weapons convention that was written and passed by Dr. Francis Boyle, who wrote all the, uh, the the protocols for that stuff. I, I'm basing my response on on his research. Just so we're clear, that's that's not my opinion. Uh, it's right. That, that's the actual right. fact. That, that's, that's where I'm taking that from. Right. Because those two things were missing. I could I could see that I could see an argument that this was in this case, it was an accidental release of a bioweapon they were currently engineering. I, I could see something like that. Um, but to prove that you have to you have to have all the intentions and in data on that. I mean, and we're not, we're not going to ever get it. I, I agree. But at the same time, I'm also I'm considering this. I'm not dismissing your your standpoint there. I'm not dismissing that because I'm inclined to agree with the same thing. However, there is another thing that would push me in the other direction of it. And that is the timing of it all. They cook up all this stuff outside of law to change all of the uh, the election stuff because China got, got hammered in the economic war, uh, the trade war with the U.S., Trump was a problem that helps the World Economic Forum. So that would have put them back even further. The U.S. would have continued on the path of America first and becoming energy independent. The populist movement would have kept rolling uh, on the European continent. Of course, now it's it's becoming even bigger. And then, of course, you've got Fauci behind, excuse me, you got Fauci saying at a private dinner in 2017 that there's going to be a surprise outbreak that the coming administration is going to, to face. Almost sounds like uh, that one alone, if you took out everything else and just left that single statement, just let it hang by itself, that in and of itself sounds a bit like a motive. It does. I think I actually have that clip here just to kind of round off on that. What is it? Yeah, here it is. The issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, 
but also there will be a surprise outbreak. That was at a private dinner in 2017. Now, why would someone be able to so confidently predict that there is going to be a large outbreak, uh, a pandemic? Uh, what? Why would someone be able to um, confidently predict that unless they had some hand in it? And then, of course, you have the people that stand to gain on the other end of it. Vaccine companies, state and local governments, bureaucracies, non-governmental, yet Fauci himself, non-governmental organizations such as the World Economic Forum. Look at the leading role that they've stepped up with in all this. And you can argue Gates, but uh, ever since the old lady decided that uh, yeah, she's had about enough of him, uh, which that's kind of what I think is going on. She's decided to take a sidestep. He looks pretty rough, by the way. Uh, and then, of course, you're seeing the uh, the doubling down of everything. Boris Johnson's doubled down. The European Union's now doubling down. Klaus Schwab uh, is <laughs> he's melting down. <laughs> quick, quick joke about the uh, uh, it, it's probably in poor taste, but about uh, the gate situation with the divorce. Uh -huh. It could honestly be that um, you no longer have Epstein, so they don't have the young blood anymore for their little frolic. So now could she's be. upset and wants to go on her own. Yeah, could could be. Uh, could also be that that's just a, a smokescreen, and they're doing exactly what the uh, the Rockefeller Foundation did: divorced his wife. Yeah, she took over. You know, they transferred everything over to her. She ran the day to day stuff. She was the face of the uh, the foundation. And in the meantime, old man Rockefeller was doing all the uh, the stuff behind the scenes. But then again, uh, I mean that that's 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 something that could be. You know, it, it could it could also be the, the, the former. I, I don't know. I don't know. But getting back to this, uh, th this thing here about a, a resolution. OK, once we have an answer, what do we do? That's going to be a very perplexing situation for a lot of countries, because as more what comes, the answer is, that's true. That's true. It depends on what the answer is. But as more and more comes out, see, you've got two parallel tracks that are running here. You've got the mainstream media running with one thing, which is lab leak. And we need to find out the origins. That's damage control. And then you've got the other parallel track that people like ourselves and other people in, in the independent media, they're running with, which is the actual truth of what's actually happened. The funding, the gain of function research, the fact that all this testing stuff and everything that goes along with it is a fraud. The vaccines are a fraud. All of it. The lockdowns were a mess. They're not admitting fault for any of that. They're not in the business of admitting fault. They're in the business of doubling down. So what do you do? What do you do? 90 days is what they're saying. So it gives them three months to come up with a good story for everybody to get all their stories straight and all the rest of it. But as the truth continues to come out, that's going to spell danger for a lot of people. And I'm talking about the real truth, not this this cooked up stuff that they're trying to push in the media. Nothing here where I'm at, nothing in the media about the origins of this thing. Nothing. It is complete blackout, silence, nothing. Nothing about the Fauci emails except some fluff, kind of like what they did on MSNBC the other day. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing about it. It's all it's all smoke and mirrors. Nothing about the the gain of function. Nothing about the election audits. Nothing. They need to do something. And I, I partly think that that's another reason that they're running this uh, agenda through the media of the lab leak origin. They're trying to do everything they can to take the focus off of the fact that these election audits are happening. The forensic audits are happening in all these states now. Uh, Pennsylvania is getting ready to start. Georgia is ready to start. Hell, uh, Georgia. Uh, what's his name? Governor. Uh, Brian Kemp, I think is his name, Brian Kemp. Yeah. He yeah. was on the stage yeah. the other day, got booed off the stage. You're trying to tell me, Trump's running around trying to tell me, trying to tell everybody that the Republican Party is as strong as it's ever been. And you got the GOP governor of the state of Georgia getting booed off the stage at his own convention. No, nah, I don't buy that. 
I don't buy that. No, the the Republican Party has always, always been weak pansies, at least in my lifetime. Agreed. So anyway, back back to this thing about uh, back to this thing about uh, th- this uh, answer on this thing. So they're saying that China will vigorously contest any conclusion that questions their management of the Wuhan laboratory. You can bet that. You can bet that. Marxists make no mistakes. Their handling of the epidemic, of course, that can't be questioned either. Their intern, of course, according to uh, uh, according to the you know the Secretary of State, there are illustrious secretaries. They suffered too. They they suffered too. Uh, their international cooperation or the lack of it, uh, in this case, I would argue, uh, the animal to human transmission theory, which again they made that very clear in the early days. No human to human transmission. No, you don't have to worry about that. That's the thing there. They're not going to admit any kind of uh, fault for it. So it doesn't matter what happens. China's not going to admit anything. They're going to play damage control too. And I half think, I half think, the, the ledgers that we looked at yesterday, I half think that that is operatives inside China that are leaking that information about the Western people that help fund that research. That's my speculation, is that I half think that, that that's where some of that information came from. At the very least, they pointed them in that direction. I thought it was FOIA's. Uh, it, it, yeah, a lot of it was FOIA. Well a lot of it was FOIA. But if you have if you have informants saying, "Hey, you yeah. might want to look into your own government. You might want to look into your Department of Defense." Of course, if I were going to look into things, if I were going to be an informant, which I wouldn't, but if I were going to be an informant, I would say, "Boy, uh, if you wanted to go about a Freedom of Information Act request, I would possibly look at uh, the Department of Defense." And look at their connection with EcoHealth Alliance. So this is the other thing. And again, pure speculation. But what do you do on the home front? What do you do there? You have that grin on your face, Bruce. Well, on the home front, uh, it would be a, a large purge of uh, bureaucracy. By who, though? And I'm not disagreeing with you, but by who? Because yeah, we're looking at we're looking at justice to fix this problem when justice is the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So honestly, the bottom line. I think this is going to be just like any other government flub. Nothing's going to happen. You know, the Bush Foundation, the, uh, you know, the Bush family. You heard of the Bushes? Yeah. George Bush, yeah. Jeb, you know, yeah. all, the, all the rest of them. Yeah. Funny. Uh, the foundation that was started by uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, the former president of the United States, and of course, his son later. And then, of course, uh, Jeb, who, who ran for the um, uh, presidency. Of course, Trump knocked him out real quick when he mentioned the uh, family connections to the uh, 9-11 deal. Uh, Jeb dropped out the next day. The Bush Foundation, it, oddly enough, again, another one of those damn FOIA requests. You know, it's amazing what you can find out with those things. The Bush Foundation has been bankrolled by the Chinese Communist Party linked firms. I, I imagine uh, government is regretting uh, that uh, allowing FOIA requests. I, I bet I, I bet they're, they're kind of regret. Well, actually, no. Uh-huh. Because nothing's happened. No, nothing. Nothing's happened. Uh, now, believe it or not, again, this is a report that's been uh, put out by uh, tax filings. You know, they just go back and you can pull the tax records. That those are pretty much public. Uh, tax filings covered May through December of 2019 show that the Bush China Foundation brought in a total of uh, of just under 1.2 million dollars in contributions, meaning that the CUSEF's donations would likely compromise a substantial portion of its revenue. Now, that's a Hong Kong-based firm, and it's run by the city's former chief executive, oh boy, uh, Tung Chi Huai, 
I'm sorry, I, I, I genuinely try to get that right. The organization calls itself an independent, nonprofit, and non-governmental foundation. Boy, where have we heard that before? Tung is also the vice chair of a Beijing-based advisory body that promotes the Chinese Communist Party's political aims, which is chaired by a Politburo official who plays a leading role in Beijing's United Front global influence campaign. Well, <laughs> this would explain the Bush's stances on things over the last 10 years. Sad to say, I I supported Bush in the beginning, you know, after right after 9-11 and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, I, I was on board with, uh, let's go kick some teeth in. Uh-huh. So while the CUSES representatives stress that it is not an agent of the Chinese Communist Party. Now, see, they've they've cleared it all up. They're, they're not involved with the Chinese Communist Party at all. Yeah. Do you, do you exist in China? Uh, Hong Kong. Okay. Then, yeah, you're CCP. At this the point. foundation. Hong Kong is... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's that was the one bastion of liberty there uh, uh, in in the Asiatic area, uh, uh, Taiwan, close to China, Taiwan. Yeah, well, Taiwan. Yeah, but uh, they're they're that may be short lived as well. Well, I Hong mean, Kong, the way they're trying yeah, to that's push. yeah, that's true. Hong Kong was not actually supposed to like the Chinese Communist Party. They were not supposed to go into Hong Kong until 2050. Right. That was the deal. They, they weren't supposed to do that. And so they said, OK, we're just going to build the Shenzhen Bridge for transport uh, just for goods and services. That That's all it's going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. So the foundation has cooperated on projects with the uh, People's Liberation Army, for example, and uses the same Washington public relations firm that the Chinese embassy does. Oh, but, but they're not they're associated not, with yeah. the Chinese Communist Party. They're, they're not associated. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, they cleared that up. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is, again, just so we're clear, this is the organization that has given a substantial amount of money to the, the Bush Foundation. Exchanges and partnerships are not the CUSEF's only initiatives. As a registered foreign agent in 2016, it spent just under $668,000 on your favorite subject, lobbying, hiring Ooh. the, listen to this, hiring the Podesta Group uh-huh, and other firms to lobby Congress on the topic of China and U.S. relations. The foundation has spent $510,000 on lobbying to date in 2017. Huh. The membership of the CUSEF Board of Governors is filled with other persons in the CCP's Hong Kong United Front infrastructure, but they're not part of the CCP. To include those who hold or have held in the recent past positions in the People's Republic of China State or the Chinese People's, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the CPPCC, I'm not sure what that is, uh, apparatus, but I'm sure it's Chinese Communist Party. CPPCC. Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. Got it. Okay. So that's like their common term. That's what the Soviet Union used. Got it. Okay. To cite one example, Lo Shengel, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry uh, if, that, if that's wrong, spent his early career in the PRC's military media and propaganda system, and in 1996 founded Phoenix Television as a satellite news channel in Hong Kong. Phoenix is partially owned by the People's Republic of China state broadcaster CCTV and is known for its reliably pro-CCP coverage. Liu serves as a standing committee member of the current 13th National Committee of the CPPCC, 
and was also a member of the previous 10th, 11th, and 12th CPPCCC. <laughs> Sorry, that's, it's a, yeah, it's a bit confusing. But they're, again, it is. Again, they're not associated with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, but that, that's been cleared up. I mean, that, that's totally clear. They're not affiliated at all. No, no, not at all. The identity of the China-U.S. Exchange Foundation, again, which is what did the deal with the Podesta group, John Podesta and his brother, yeah, Hillary Clinton, yeah, was going to be the vice president of Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That John Podesta, the same John Podesta and his brother who were involved with Hunter Biden in the Ukraine deal with Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm afraid so. So this was a... uh, they're saying that this this foundation, the, the China-U.S. Exchange Foundation, that was a nominally private entity, which in actuality functions as a de facto front organization for the uh, Chinese government and allows it to play a valuable role in Beijing's effort to sway public opinion and build influence in America. So the CUSEF's extensive contracts with the U.S. lobbying and public relations firms, contracts involving both sums and a breadth of activities difficult to reconcile with those of a genuine nonprofit civic foundation. Represent a sort of lobbying laundering is how they're referring it, referring to it, lo- lobbying laundering, in which a nominally independent third party organization acts as a primary agent for funding and managing lobbying efforts on behalf of the People's Republic of China. Now, coming to a full understanding of these disguised and well-funded efforts to sway both elite opinion Elite capture. That's what the Chinese Communist Party focus on. Elite capture. You notice they haven't captured the parties they've gone through and they've captured all the leaderships. That's all they've done. It's called elite capture. It's a tactic of theirs. And U.S. government policy will be a vital component of the coming grips with the CCP's broader influence efforts directed at the United States as well as the wider world. There you go. Now, you might ask, were they reached out to for a comment? The Bush Foundation, I mean, were they reached out to for a comment? Well, they were. And they answered, surprisingly, a spokesman for the Bush Foundation for the U.S.-China relations thing, which, again, is, you know, involved with the Podesta group, uh, said that the organization is proud of their funding from the CUSEF and defends the firm's ties to China's communist government, stating, we do not buy into that narrative. So you have an organization that's uh, based in Hong Kong that has all the CCP affiliates and PLA affiliates, but they're not part of the Chinese Communist Party. And then you have the Bush Foundation say, well, no, we don't we don't subscribe to that. Uh, We don't buy into that narrative. Uh, And we're proud of the funding that the organization that's has all the CCP and PLA members and former current and former members that's not associated with the Chinese Communist Party. uh, They're proud of, of that to be associated with them. And they're proud of the funding, but they don't subscribe to the narrative. That doesn't change the fact that, that they are. Exactly. If you don't believe it, it doesn't. If, if you don't believe in gravity and you go and jump off a building, what's going to happen to you? Gravity's going to work and you're going to hit the ground. Same thing here. The thing is, though, is we kind of knew the Bushes were, uh, well, at least for me not being politically aware and everything, it was pretty clear in his second term that he was a problem. Uh, some of the, the, actually, I think it was right at the end of his first term into his second term, it was, it was clear that um, he, he was not a staunch conservative like uh, uh-huh. we yeah. thought in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I was, uh, you know, I was a big critic of, uh, of George Bush. I mean, I wasn't a fan of Al Gore, uh, but I, I was a big critic of, of George Bush. And I remember I caught a lot of flack from a lot of people saying, 
uh, you know, you shouldn't be disrespecting the, uh, the, you know, the, the office like that. I said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. I'm not disrespecting the office. I'm criticizing the man that sits in it. There's a big difference. The, the, the problem I have with that argument as well, this is America. I can say whatever the hell I want about any of the office or the president. We have the First Amendment. Fair point. I told you, don't let me forget to name all the media oh, yeah, outlets the list. That, are, <laughs> that are on the Chinese <sighs> Communist Party payroll. That's OK. I've got it right here. We'll list them off here at the end So, because we're out of time. We are going to have to go. But uh, I wanted to run down through a list of these. If you think there's just a few organizations that are on the Chinese Communist Party payroll, the, you're sorely mistaken. This is put out by the National Pulse, Raheem Kassam, Natalie Winters. They do great work over there. Uh, now, listen to this. These are the outlets that receive CCP funding currently and have in the past. Vox, Slate, the Boston Herald, the Boston Globe. That would explain a lot up there. The Huffington Post. Never would have seen that one coming. The Atlantic. I'm sorry to say this to a lot of people out there. Fox News, the New York Times. Go figure. Uh, by the way, you remember the clip we played of that, uh, that guy that was on uh, uh, NPR or NPR, uh, Bill Maher? His name's Ezra something or Ezra Klein. I think it's, he's a he's an op-ed writer for uh, for the New York Times. He was talking about how great the vaccine is, and everybody needs to go out and get the vaccine. Yeah. Gets all kinds of money on the backs on the back end from the CCP. You don't say. Yeah, yeah, I saw that today. <laughs> Newsweek <laughs> never would have guessed that one. CNBC again didn't see that one coming. The L.A. Mm-hmm. Times, the Baltimore Sun again, the Baltimore Sun Sun Papers. Yeah, that's one and the same Sun Paper. That's a Rupert Murdoch outfit. Chicago Tribune. The Guardian, The New Yorker, The Financial Times, of course, yeah, we talked about Financial Times of London, we talked about that, Foreign Policy, The Philadelphia Inquirer, New York Magazine. Uh, this one this one might shock you a little bit, Bruce. I know that this one's probably, you're going to be really disappointed when I tell you this one. Yahoo Finance, they take CCP money. I, I know it's it's hard to accept. It's really hard to accept for yeah. you. Yeah, uh, that's a yeah. difficult one, yeah. Yeah. The National Journal, The Washington Post, uh-huh, we call it The Washington Post for a reason, Forbes Magazine. Bloomberg. Of course, I really don't think Bloomberg needs to be too influential. Michael Bloomberg's enough of a uh, a sellout as he is himself. You know, the guy that said, "Well, you, you just you dig a hole, you put a seed in it, you put some dirt on it." It's it's that simple. That guy. Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that, sir. Uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune, the U.S. News and World Report, the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> Could have seen that one coming. They can't even give those papers away now. Philadelphia Inquirer, the Harvard Business Review. I think Obama used to write for that paper. That explains a lot. The Hill newspaper. Again, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Chicago Magazine. And this one. This one right here. This one's. This one actually, this one shocked me more than Yahoo News. MSNBC. Oh. That, that shocked me. That that really shocked me. I didn't see that one coming. Didn't see that one coming. So it, it would, it, basically, going down that list, it would almost be easier to list those that aren't. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be a smaller list. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, anyway, that, that's that's the list of mainstream media outlets that have or are currently taking CCP money uh, or they're directly or through firms like the Bush Foundation that we talked about like that. So, uh, again, great work over the National Pulse. They do fantastic work. All right. Uh, we are going to have to go. So thanks for being here. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us. Uh, we put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. And we also put out an exclusive podcast once a week just for our Telegram subscribers. You also have access to our news feed and a comment section as well. So get signed up to us over there so you can get all that content. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.